This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. As we're embarking on this journey together, we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Because the two basic questions that mankind have, that you maybe as a person have, is who am I and why am I here? Who am I and why am I here? I think if most people would know the answer to that, if I walk up to you and I say, who are you, Etienne? <laughs> who are you? Then you'd say like, hey, you know, if, if I walk up to somebody, if somebody says, who are you? Then mostly our first response would be as to what I do. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll walk up to, to Low and then Low would say, I am a senior Western Cape agricultural, what are you? Huh? What? Economist. Economist. The Western Cape. He's one of the top guys in the Western Cape. Agricultural Western Cape senior economist. Okay? And, and, and then people say, whoa, whoa, yeah? And, and then you go to Steve, and you'll see, Steve will say, I am the best crossfitter in the world, you know? But um, no, no, he said, oh, yeah, or he stopped a year ago. He repented. No, no, I'm a, no, only joking. But... Um, <laughs> Steve will say, I'm a lecturer and I'm into this water business. And then, then you'll go and you'll say, Francois, you know, Francois, I'm a vet. I'm, I'm, I, I, I do this stuff, you know. And then you'll go from one guy and you go to Danny on the keyboard and say, I'm a teacher. You know, I, I teach at this school. So, so our first reaction is when somebody walks up to you and say, who are you? Then you would answer normally in what I do. Because a lot of the world defines you know, who we are by what we do. But, you know, God doesn't define us in that way. We have a vocation. We have a work. We have stuff we do. Um, a student, maybe, of wherever you are in your life. But God would want us, in essence, as Christians, to be able to answer that. And obviously, we all know the spiritual answer is, I am a son of God. Yeah? Because that's the right answer, spiritually. But I want us to go to the book of Genesis. We're going to just run, run through it a little bit. In Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The image of God is represented in male and female together. Okay? In God, it's equal. So it's not a, about chauvinism or any stuff, but... At essence of the heart of the identity crisis that's going on in the world is let's redefine male and female, let's redefine this, let's redefine, let's have identity politics, let's have entitlement, you can, you can go and study. It's a, it's a massive era, you know, you can feel what you want to, you know, they even want to say to babies these days, you know, um, don't tell the baby what gender it is. That baby can decide for, for itself, <laughs> And, and I just have to look quickly, and then I know that's a boy, and then I look quickly, and that's a girl, you know? But, but it is crazy where the world has gone, but we need to know why. Because it wants to distort the image of God. And that's why it says God made us in His own image, male and female. Very different. We're not the same. Amen. <laughs> And you should never say, oh, Khuna, I feel bad because I'm a boy. I feel bad because I'm a girl. 
It's not the one is never superior to the other one. God has made you beautiful. God has made you in his image. If you are a lady, you are amazing. You are made in the image of God. If you're a guy, you have been made in the image of God. And so in the basic family structure, that is how God intended it to be, that you would grow up in a healthy family where the whole image of God is represented to you by a father and a mother that loves each other. And so the best thing that your parents can do to establish your identity is to love God and love each other. Sometimes we get it wrong these days that the parents love the kids more than what they love God or each other. And that would distort the image of God even because now you become the center or I become the center of the family. And we're not. Children are not the center of the family. God is. Amen? So, so the, the, the devil is trying to distort this whole image and the whole way of thinking. But God made us male and female in the image, own image. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God says, hey, I'm giving you a mandate. I want you to fill. I want you to multiply. I want you to, hallelujah. And we saw it over this weekend at the church camp. Sure, there were so many kids. I thought like, hey, guys, just buy TVs. Do something, you know. Don't have so many kids, you know. But in any case, they are fulfilling it naturally in this church. Hallelujah. Amen. So multiply. Okay. So let's jump to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted the garden eastward in the Eden, and there he put the man whom he formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there were two trees in this garden. That's where this whole sermon series comes from. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God set out certain parameters. The, the Bible doesn't say what God said about the tree of life. He said you could, can eat of all the trees, and that obviously included the tree of life. But then there was this other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat of that tree, because something is going to happen when you eat of that tree. Say the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Oh, thank you for enthusiasm. There's definitely some people enthusiastically here, but there's some people there at the back. I want to just hear you. Are you here? Just wave at us. Wave at us. Okay. Okay. Let's jump another chapter to Genesis 3. You can go and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now, now this is profound to read out of Genesis as if it happened because it did. <laughs> You know, most theologians, liberal theologians, don't believe the story that it actually happened anymore. That's how far we've, like, jumped off the planet. But it's probably with the same group that says the earth is flat. I, I don't know. I'm not going to judge them, but hallelujah. So Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said. Now remember, God gave, and we didn't read that, but God gave the command to Adam. So Eve was not around when he gave the command. Don't eat of the tree. So now he comes to the lady and he says to Eve, okay, Eve, did God really say? 
You know, the devil doesn't come and say, you, me, us against each other, da 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 I've got this red fork and I've got like, no, 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 you, me, let's have an arm wrestling. No, no. He comes with suggestion. He comes with deception. He comes to isolate us. So he comes and he says, did God really say this? The same temptation that Jesus had after 40 days of fasting, he says, hey, if you are the son of God, then why don't you do the will of God like this instead of like this? Always question, always suggestion. Why? Because in essence, he wants to question the character of God and whether what God is saying to us, if it is actually good for you, if it will actually enhance your life. So it says, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, you can almost miss the whole story there if you start off, because God didn't talk about touch. He just spoke about eating. So something has already started to happen. You can see almost like God told Adam, do this, don't eat of the tree. And so Eve comes and says, we shall not eat of the tree all touch the tree. Now, that wasn't part of God's command in the beginning. So already, there's some added knowledge. There's some added stuff. So already, they've started to transgress a little bit away from what God has said. And it's obviously through communication. Okay, so if you want to get married one day, that's tip, tip number one here. Learn to communicate properly. So when the lady tells you, go to the shopping, go and do the shopping, Apparently, there's an app now that will help you. Men, I'll, I'll give you some tips now. Now, But so Louise, my wife, tells me, go to the spa and buy these three things. And I sort of listen, shop, shop, you know. And then I don't know what happens between the house and the spa, but the devil comes all over you. <laughs> he sort of like distracts you, you go. And then there's something when you walk into that door, that front door, you, you forget at least one. So now you stand in that aisle and you begin to pray, Lord. So what I normally do is I remember the first two, but then I forget the third one because we don't need lists, I mean. We don't need maps. We don't need like, you know, how this thing works. We, we will figure it out ourselves. So now you stand and now you begin to pray because you break out of sweat and you realize like, I've got two out of the three. And then normally I get like this big trolley and then I just start to fill the trolley, you know. And I hope that if I buy enough chocolates, I'll, you know, she'll forgive me for not remembering the third one. And normally when you get home and you pack it out, then you try to, try to soften her heart because you realize like, I did not remember the third thing. And then you have to go all the way back again. So guys, there's an app. There's an app where you and your wife can communicate what you need to, sh to shop. But praise the Lord. You also get words of knowledge. Amen. Where the Lord supernaturally helps you. But that's got nothing to do with the sermon. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of your eyes shall be open. Your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, so when we... 
let, let me just go on a little bit. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for, for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable, she saw it, it was good, it was pleasant, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, now don't think, sorry guys, don't think Adam was there out there somewhere hunting and killing animals and going wild. While the serpent was talking to Eve, Adam was standing with her. He was right next to her. Because when she took of the fruit, she gave it right there to him. So, so don't blame the woman, guys. Okay, you've heard that one. Oh, Eve got deceived. This woman, this woman kind, you know. <laughs> he was standing right there. Listen to this, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord, Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Sure. So we have this moment, we're going to look now what their reaction was, because you know when we come to God, we do exactly the same. And when we come to identity, we try to fix something on the outside that we need to fix on the inside. So the world works that way because it's part of our sinful nature. It's not just a rejection problem or a fear of failure problem, but part of our sinful nature as this world is we want to cover and that's so beautiful what Werner said last week is like, hey, take off the masks. You cannot hide from God. We're going to look at that. So let's look at original creation. There were certain things promised, and every human being wants these things. Firstly, significance and purpose. God said, hey, Adam, Eve, there's a work to be done. I've got a purpose for you. I want you to tend this garden. A divine purpose, a call of God on our lives. For you as an individual, for you as a family, for us as a church, and for the churches in the world. Original creation gave people significance and purpose. It was never called to be success. Because it's a mandate from God to represent God, to tend the garden. The second thing is safety and security. Is the Lord says everything is provided for. You can eat as much as you want of all these trees, of all this stuff. Just don't eat of that one tree. Now, if, if you and I know that our significance, our purpose is in God, our safety, our security is in God, and then Genesis 2 verse 18 says there's a place of belonging. Do you know everybody out there wants to belong somewhere? That's why people would go all across the world or people would drink themselves silly on a Friday night or even a Sunday night like tonight. They just want to belong. I just don't want to be out. I don't want to be left alone. And that's why so many people struggle with depression because we have to go to the next thing. We have to go to the next event. We have to, I just want to be successful. I just want to feel safe somewhere. Even if it is in some, some guy's arms or in the physical, if I can just get that feeling or if I can just belong somewhere and somebody's going to say, hey, you're, you're welcome here. So we get these communities and these cliques or sometimes it goes into our racial thing or our community or our background. 
in a sense, mankind is, is striving and crying out for this. Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I belong? And that's so beautiful about church is the fact that we can tell people the answers to these things. So what happened in the fall? Are you all still with me? Okay, shake your neighbor and say, hey, I'm watching you. Okay, I know it's very hot in here, but we're on slide nine and we've got about 38 to go. But um, lock the doors. No, no, don't lock the doors. We need fresh air. So, so God provided these things in original creation, but then the fall happened. And what happened through the fall? Spiritual death entered in. And this is the crazy thing, because what was the first thing that happened is they lost an understanding of who God was. That, that's what would happen. And just think about this. Adam and Eve tries to hide from God. Why would you think you can hide from God if you know God knows everything? It's because your understanding, your perception of God changed. You think like, whoa, you know, I can actually hide. I can actually run away. I can hide in this garden. <laughs> and what it boils down to is they lost intimacy with God. Because God would come down at certain times in the day and he would walk with Adam and Eve. He would spend like this relationship and I wonder what he spoke to them about. But man, because of our sinful nature, we withdrew. And then obviously what we know is like, sure, they should fix leaves together because they tried to cover. They were aware of their nakedness because now knowledge came in and they tried to cover themselves. They said, well, well, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this thing on the outside and that's why suddenly they were afraid of God. And that's why one of the number one motivating factors in this world is fear, fear of rejection. Fear of failure, fear of man, fear of death. Fear is a crippling effect, and it is part of our sinful nature. It's not just the devil that comes to attack us, but it's, it's, it's sort of that thing that wants to draw you back into the old man, into the old nature. <laughs> and then the big one that came out was shame and guilt. They knew they were naked. Before that, the glory of God covered them. Before that, they, they were like in this intimate place with God. But suddenly they started to say, hey, I need to cover myself because, sure, I'm so aware of myself. And I've lost my awareness of God. Now, in, in two weeks or so, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit that comes to seal, comes to cover, where God does something different in our lives through our relationship and he restores the glory of God and we're not going to talk about that tonight. But you know, shame and guilt is one of the, guilt is, is sort of, let me just say this, guilt is what I've done wrong. Shame is who I am. Shame says to me, I am wrong. Shame says to me, there's something wrong with me. Guilt says I've done something wrong. So they had shame and guilt. But underneath it was a big fear, a driving force. Okay, but there's good news, so let's hang in there. Let's read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. It talks about, yes, specifically in the context between flesh and the spirit, and he's talking to Christians. 
He's speaking to spirit-filled, charismatic Christians. <laughs> he's, he's giving them a name. He's saying, you are carnal Christians, he says. <laughs> because you want to worship God. You want to be in the spirit. But your problem is, hey, you guys are so in the flesh. You're so in the emotions. And you've created this own religion for yourself. You think because you can jump up and down, you can do all the things, and because you're clapping your hands, you're thinking that still you can hide things from God, but you can't. And that's why it says, and it's so written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. He says that first Adam, he was just, he was just living. He was just trying to go through life. But the last Adam, Jesus came to restore. He was a life-giving spirit. The ability to give. And, and, and you, can, you can see that. And, and if we look at what's happening in the age and the world. Barrenness and reproduction. That's really what it's about. If you look at the natural. But if you look at that in the spiritual. You begin to realize that there are many individual Christians that are barren. They cannot reproduce. What Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples. Why? Because we've become consumers. Because if you're a consumer, you just want more. You want belonging. You want significance. But you get it from everything outside of Christ, and you still go on. So, am I saying it a bit hard or too straight? <laughs> So don't think that because there's a lot of charismatic churches. I've been in America, and, and sometimes I just, sorry, Sky, um, but it's crazy. We went to this church, and there's thousands of people in this church. You walk in there, and it's literally like a consuming conveyor belt. Go in, get your 10-minute sermon, feel good about yourself, go out, but there's no conviction. And the scary part is sometimes the Lord doesn't feel welcome there. Because don't think because we clap hands and we sing nice songs that we're actually life-giving spirits. And so God invites you and me and he says, I want you to know your true identity. I want you to know what I say about you because that's going to bring a freedom in your life. Are you with me? No, it's very, very hot in here, but hang in there. Just take one breath every three minutes and then we'll, we'll have enough fresh air in here. Okay, so let's, let's pick up some speed. So if you and I begin to live in this space, that's why, you know, I grew up being very religious. And the scary part of that religion was, is I would go every Sunday, I would fall asleep every Sunday in church, but I felt so condemned and I felt like I need to be there. Because do you know what? We, we're going we're gonna to fix it on the outside, and um, my grandma used to say, she just goes to the prayer meetings because then she knows nobody's going to talk bad about her. Because if she's not there, then they talk bad about her. Because everybody that doesn't make it to the prayer meeting gets, gets you know, skinnered about, you know. And it's, she says, no, she just goes because she don't want people to talk bad about her. Now, it's crazy how you think that people can be religious inclined on the outside to still try and settle something on the inside. So we, we're still into covering, <laughs> and sometimes it comes straight into the church, and we don't know, and I think George brought, Pastor George brought that word. He says, hey, why, why, why are we putting something on the outside when we have to surrender? When, we, when God, all he asks is surrender. I, I'm interested in your heart. 
So the, the world says what we wear, what we achieve, who we know. The church sometimes says what you sing and how cool you look as a Christian and what missions you've gone on and, and what you can put on your spiritual CV. But then it can be exactly the same and not true worship because it doesn't come from the heart. Hello. <laughs> and that's why God says, hey, hey, I can see right through you. Don't try to hide from me. Don't try to put mask on. I know exactly. Don't pretend. Just be real. Be authentic because that's really what worship is. Worship isn't about the songs we sing. Because if you look at the lady that came for a child, the Bible says she fell down. And she says, she, the Bible actually says she worshiped God saying, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. <laughs> Sometimes people just cried out, Lord, help. And that was worship. Why? Because it, what you do is you decide to break through the outward and the pressures of the outward and the performance of the outward and the, all the stuff of the outward and you allow God into a space in your heart what he can see in any case, but he's not going to infringe on that space unless you come to surrender and give him that space. And that's why worship is a condition of the heart. That's why you can worship walking around. You can worship every day. You can fall flat on your face or you can sit in your class, in your faculty, and just say, God, you know, I'm tired right now. And that's worship to him. Because why? You've allowed your heart to be open before him. There's a pleasure in knowing God. I love what the psalmist says. David says, There's, at your right hand, there are pleasures <laughs> forevermore. But you know, you, you and I, we, we are conditioned, even in the charismatic church, to keep God at a distance. And then we try to live this identity, and God says, hey, it's only in Jesus. It's only when you, when you come close. So listen to this, our identity in Christ, who we are and who we become is the key to real wholeness. Who you are in Christ. The book of Ephesians, go and read it. It's amazing how many times the term in Christ is used. In Christ. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I've been crucified. That's Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives inside of me. But you know, when, when you and I walk around and we live in the shadow of maybe that teacher that said something in your life, you'll never amount to this. Or that father or that mother that walked out on you. And you thought like, sure. Those are, those are real issues in our, in our hearts. And, and then we become masters at defense and keeping God and people at a distance. And, and I'm, I've asked, uh, there's a couple... In, in the church that testified at the camp this morning, I've asked them to come, maybe in two weeks' time, to come and testify because they adopted this a son. And for the first four years, this son was thrown, I'm not going to say so where, but, but they went to visit this little boy in the hospital after we did a, a, a week of, of outreach here in the town. And they heard a lady testify here the morning, or one of the girls, and then straight after church, they went to hospital. And eventually, it ended up them adopting that child. But for four years, that child would not want to get close to mommy because his own mommy rejected him. And you know what he does then? Is I'm going to reject you before you can hurt me again. 
And so for some people, it becomes a defense mechanism. For some people, when people come close enough to us, the first thing we do is, I'm going to either manipulate you or I'm going to reject you. I'm going I'm to do to you before you can do to me. I, I'm not going to get hurt again. <laughs> That's on the one side. On the other side, some people go into performance. Hey, I, I'm going to prove to the world that I'm going to find my own sense of belonging, my own sense of security, my own sense of significance. I'm going to make it by myself. It's almost like a rebellion statement. And then you see people running all of their life, trying to prove to the world something, and they keep on running. But eventually they destroy everybody around them. And that's why we can see individualism is so strong in our culture. And the only reason for that is because people are hurt. People don't know who they are in Christ. <laughs> and it's in the church. But hey, hallelujah. That's why God calls us to be before we can do. See, the world's identity comes through power, position, wealth, appearance, recognition, recognition, and accomplishments. It's all what we do and what we achieve. Sure. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through a couple of things. Are you all still with me? Okay, are, are, you, are you a bit hot there at the back? I know it's like, yeah, you know, breathe. But these lights feels like the second coming here. Okay, so, so don't worry. And I've got a jacket on, so I'm sweating more than you are. Okay, so hang in there just for a couple of moments. But so why is religion? So what man does right from the word go, religion, there's a lot of definitions for religion, but religion is a particular system of faith and worship, a pursuit or interest followed with great devotion. Religion isn't just what happens in a church building. Postmodern secular people are very religious because they're beginning to follow a particular system. Because <laughs> when you are in a system, you can control that system eventually. <laughs> and so the world designs us to be in systems. And so a religion brings an outward thing. It sort of, it brings condemnation, never reconciliation. Because condemnation means I'm not going to be good enough. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to perform. I'm going to strive. I'm, I'm going to show the world because I live by rules. I live by the outside. And so you'll see that. You'll see that some people just like, hey, I've got this blackboard and I'm going to measure what you do in our relationship and I'm going to measure what I've done. And as long as I'm just one ahead of you all the time. <laughs> You bought, me, you bought me a drink the other day, I'm going to buy you two. Or, uh, 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 no, 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 this is it, you know. And then we, then, but it's when we start to live by performance, even something like quiet time. Oh, you must have quiet time. You must have quiet time. Where we begin to force stuff on people and we think like it's the system that's going to change you. But you can have quiet time and your heart can be far from God. That's what religion does. Religion is not relationship. Rel religion is man trying to reach God while relationship with God is God reaching man. You know, we must actually, it mustn't be, I found Jesus. No, 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 no. No, no. Jesus found me. I was lost. <laughs> okay? It's not like, oh, oh, here's a lucky packet. I found Jesus, you know? And, and we know what we sing by that, but... He's come to find you. He's come looking for you. He's, he came looking for me when I did not look for him. Sure, religion results in trying to fix ourselves and the problem, works, performance, and the fear of rejection and the fear of failure 
becomes a central driving force. So, we're trying to fix ourselves. Jesus said it, you know, when, when um, they challenged him and they asked, like, like you, you know, is this man good, is he not? And then Jesus said, nobody is good except my Father in heaven. Jesus came to redefine what good is because we try to be good. We try to gain acceptance. And that's why the fear of failure and rejection is so strong. Yo. And then the other thing is we try to gain knowledge. And when we try to gain knowledge, why do we try to gain knowledge? Is because we try to be superior over somebody else. Because if I can be superior over you, then it means you're going to be inferior. And that's where the theology of apartheid came from. It came out of this theology school right here. Because we know more. And therefore certain people can get saved and certain people can't get saved. It's an Old Testament system. And the challenge we have is that sometimes people have never said sorry to do that because maybe there's still that same type of thinking. Oops. Because if I have knowledge, the more knowledge I have of God without relationship, I will be superior. Isn't that what Hitler also tried? Creating a superior race? We're going to be superior above other people. Oops. It's getting very quiet. <laughs> but knowledge, that's the problem of man, is when we try to come to God based on knowledge. You can read through the whole Bible 10 times and your life will not change. If it's just logos, if it's just a written word. But when it becomes revelation to you, when you start to walk with the Holy Spirit and you begin to say, God, it's not what I know about you. I want to know you. So when you even come to church, you must say, I want to know you, God. And I cannot live my relationship with God through the church. The church inspires me and we celebrate community. But you cannot have a relationship with God by just going to church once a week. Oops. Because knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will make you grow superior because, hey, I can quote Ecclesiastes 5 verse 42 and Moses 12 by 13, you know. I've arrived. So let's talk about your scriptural knowledge. Oops. Or we say, no, I'm spirit-filled. I can speak in tongues. And you? Oh, Though I speak in tongues, but I have no love, means nothing. Because that's the problem of man. <laughs> now the spirit in the world, and now we're going we're gonna, to, I'm just throwing something in here. The spirit in the world is called the Antichrist spirit. And that's not a person at this stage, it's, it's, it's a spirit that is, that is, busy creeping into the world and it's been around for a while but it's increasing it's a spirit that's against Christ anti-Christ and Christ speaks about the anointing and you'll see that there's something that's come up in the world people are more bitter more critical more in rebellion more entitled more negative than ever before 
you can actually see it's going in, into the world. It's on campus. It's just creeping into that. And people are so bitter. People are so negative. People, but it's a setup. Because it wants you to have a condition of your heart where you can reject God based on knowledge. And that's why Jesus said, hey, if you want to come to me, you have to come like a child. You have to humble yourself. You have to come to that place where you say, God, I lay down my culture. I lay down my race. I lay down my own identity that is maybe formed through fears or maybe through successes. I lay down my identity and I want to take up the identity of Christ. Show me who I am. And that's what, is, that's what transformation is about. <laughs> But the moment when you walk into school tomorrow on Tuesday and you wear that blazer, you've suddenly put on something that gives you a sense of significance and there's nothing wrong with you. Or the moment when you walk and you have that dachbrek kippie on and you say like, sure, this is my identity. It's, it's not. It just helps you maybe to form yourself in a better way so that you can pass your studies. But... As Christians, you're not a dachbreaker before you are a child of God. It's not on the outside. The whole world operates like that. I just had one amen from maybe a dachbreaker there in the middle. Huh? I know who it was. But bless you, Yanku. In any case, so. <laughs> so, so I'm laying the groundwork because the question is now, what is our true identity? And, and you and I need to dig into Scripture. We need to redeem what Christ has come. And he says, hey, I want you to rule the earth, but not from a place of knowledge, not from a place of trying to tell the world they're wrong and you're right. It's just because you're confident in who God has made you and you're free. You're free from any false identity out there that the world, your circumstances, your past wants to put on you. And then you can be confident before him when you worship him. But I want you to think, I want you to think just, just think 20 minutes, 30 minutes ago, if it was very difficult for you to worship, maybe it was hot and that's just natural. But if you're like all over the place, if you're like distracted and there's just like so many stuff, it's because of things trying to keep you out of that place of intimacy with God. And sometimes it's very deep. When that dad says to you, you're never going to amount to anything. You know this brother of yours? He's going to make it. Or that dad says, I always wanted a girl. Do you know how those things define us? Because naturally God wanted you to be protected, especially in the first nine years of your life. And so when the devil can hurt us, he sets us up to run to anything out there to get a sort of A sense of identity. Now, now, Stefan brought two trees here. That was the best we could do, Stefan. Stefan Diber, he's married now. Amen. Let's give him a round of applause. I don't actually think you can call this a tree, Stefan, but it was good. It was a good, good try. But this one doesn't grow really, but this one, like, boom, yeah? And so... What we can do is we can talk about this tree of knowledge of good and evil 
for three days. Because when you, when you try to just operate in a realm where you think like, yeah, Yo, you know, I'm going to form a perception of who God is. I'm going to hide my heart from God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do exactly what Adam has done, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in here, and you know what? I'm going to pretend. Or you can come to God and say, God, I want to eat of the tree of life. I realize, like, there's a contention that's been coming since man was created. It's the old nature. Sometimes people go into the flesh, and they don't walk in the spirit. And so to, to really discover your identity, you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot psych up yourself with a couple of scriptures and say, wonderful, I am crucified with Christ. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love God. He loves me. He loves me. You can say that 500,000 times and it will not settle into your heart. You need the Holy Spirit. And so where you start on this journey as we're going to continue in the next couple of weeks is all God is saying is don't come in your head. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to be perfect. Surrender. No, but Lord, I can't do that. How do I surrender? Just surrender. But Lord, give me the three steps. Just come. Just surrender. No, but Lord, I've been a control freak all my life. Just come and surrender. I want to, I want to show you who I created you to be. But the Holy Spirit is going to help you. And that's why the Bible says there's a spirit of bondage again to fear. And there's a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When you wake up in the morning and say, Abba, Father, I'm a child of God. doesn't come in your natural. But the hypocrites and the proudful people were the only people God resists and resisted. He says about the Pharisees, he says, you guys go all over the world and you make people 10 times worse than you because you clean the outside of the cup but not the inside. You tell people to do what on the outside of the cup, paint it beautiful but inside, uh-uh, not working. God wants the inside of the cup. And that's tough, people. Because we, in our nature, in our culture, we've designed ourselves in such a way that we always focus on the outside of the cup. And all God says, come surrender. That's where we're starting. Say, come, eat of the tree of life. I want to give you life. I want to introduce you to Adam that was a life-giving spirit. He did, didn't just live. He came to restore what Adam and Eve failed. And that means some of us also need to walk away from that other tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we just need to make a decision. We need to say, God, I'm stopping. I'm stopping to try to figure this out. I'm stopping to try to be proud, fool, and tell you all this stuff that you must do before I'm going to come. Because you're trying to approach God in a way that is not acceptable to Him. Hello? Have you heard of Cain and Abel? Comes from that tree, the wrong tree. The one sacrifice came out of life. The other one sacrifice came out of religion. And that's why religion is one of the most powerful forces in the world. There's true religion, the Bible says, good religion, which is to look after the widows and the orphans. So we're not against religion. But if religion is a set of rules, we'll always end up not making it. 
will always not be good enough. And there's some of you that, that are, are struggling with condemnation. You come there and you just don't feel worth being a Christian. You never feel good enough. I want to say to you tonight, God says, come to the tree of life. There are two trees, and you need to make a decision every day when you wake up. God, Jesus, you are that tree of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except then through that second Adam. Everything inside of me wants to do it the world. I, I, want, to, I want to compromise in the world. I want to go out there. I want to find my acceptance there. And God says, come to me. And he says, but Lord, it's so easy. It's so easy to do rules. It's so easy to do regulations. And God says, come and surrender. And say, Lord, it's difficult. Help. And that's all he wants. Pure honesty. Pure authentic. Lord, I want to know where you created me. But you cannot find that in knowledge. Are you with me tonight? Will you stand with me as we're going to pray? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.